Welcome to another David McCracken Ministries podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Even just as Steve was sharing there, you know, sometimes when we come into place for the first time, people are sort of wondering, you know, what's going to happen and the focus can be what what is it going to be like? You know, how is Steve going to minister or how is Sally going to speak? But even as you were just sharing that, Steve, and, and what we start, where we started the meeting, I'm just reminded of that scripture, be still and know that I am God. And that picture, the imagery that I get there is, you know, when you see a mountain and a lake below it and the lake is so still that you get pretty much a perfect reflection and it's that imagery of when we still our hearts before the Lord that is when we are able to reflect his image the more we are able to still our hearts spend time with him encounter him then we naturally overflow with his reflection it's not a striving to be it's actually being in his presence and out of that as we still our heart. You know, if the, if the water's choppy, if the wind's blowing, if we've got so much stuff going on in our lives, then that's what we overflow in. And so taking the time, when we come together, whatever we're doing as leaders, as a Sunday meeting, as small groups, whatever it looks like, don't ever consider a part of your service as just... Oh, this is what we do before we get to the preaching or this is this is what we do as a part of that and then we're getting to the main event or God is the main event. Encountering him and bringing ourselves into that place where we are settled before him and can actually reflect him is 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 the greatest purpose of any time we get together and also our our personal int- intimacy. Amen. Amen. So God downloaded a word to me a couple of weeks ago and I really felt to share this with you. So I'm just going to download. I have a stack of notes here um, and I might fly through a few things, but I'm going to send it to Matt and Sharon afterwards. So if you feel like you're scribbling or you just want to listen and lean in, feel free to do that and then then we'll go from there. You can scribble too if you want to. Scribble away. (laughs) You can't do two things at once. You do whatever you feel to do in the moment. This is a be present in the moment and God will speak. Amen. Um, Can we open our Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 14? 1 Samuel chapter 14. I'm just going to give you a quick rundown while you're turning there of the story. Basically, um, this story is about Jonathan and his armor bearer. Um, and if you go to the chapter before, which we don't have time to read through it all, it's, it's incredible, but I encourage you to meditate on it. Basically, the army of Israel had been so surrounded by um, the Philistines and the armies that only Saul and Jonathan had armor, had, had, had um, swords and things like that. So you've got to understand, everyone else has got no... <laughs> No armor. They can't even go to the blacksmith because the, the other army had literally shut them down. And so I want to start reading. And if you know, there's some of you, pro- does everyone know this story? Is everyone sort of a bit familiar with this story? Yeah, Jonathan's like to his armor bearer, hey, you know, there's some Philistines over there. Perhaps if we go up, you know, if they say come up here, then the Lord's going to give them to us. If they say wait there, we won't do it because it's going to mean something. Something not quite so good. Anyway, we're going to start reading in chapter, well, chapter 14, verse 6. 
Jonathan says to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. And the armor bearer says, do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. And jump down to verse 12. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. (laughs) Ha ha, little did they know. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him with his bare hands, mind you. He had nothing with his bare hands. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about half an acre. Bit of a gory story if you're not into that. So we're not going to focus on that part. (laughs) But the Lord has been speaking to me about the mandates for his church to come back to being not only the family of God, but to the army of God. And specifically for leaders to begin to carry the call to be an armor bearer. So I want to share briefly on the call to be an armor bearer. And this might sort of bust some things out of some people's mindsets because you might be like, I'm a really peaceful, kind hearted, tender person. That's good. You are still called to be an armor bearer and I will show you (laughs) how and why that looks. But I just want to say this up front as we talk. There are actually a specific gifting that some people carry to be an armor bearer in the body of Christ. It's quite a specific call and mandate. Um, And if you have that, that's wonderful. And I really want to speak into that. But I want to speak generally into you as leaders what it looks like to actually be an armor bearer because there is a lot in the word for us as leaders and what that looks like to be armor bearers, not just for our senior leaders, but for one another. And the picture we have of an, of an armor bearer is literally someone who is ready at a moment's notice to be right behind them or to be on their flank beside them, protecting, honoring, serving. And this is something the body of Christ so needs. We need it in the whole body, but it starts from the head down. And so I want to pull a few things out of here. And I've got seven points. I thought that was very spiritual when I counted. (laughs) Don't worry, I'm not that clever. I just wrote down what God was saying. And then I'm like, oh, there's seven. That's really great. Now you're thinking, seven, how long are we going to be here? How fast can that girl talk? We'll see. All right, number one, an armor bearer stays just behind their leader. They don't run ahead. This is such a key one. Verse seven of that chapter says, do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said, go ahead, I am with you heart and soul. If you look at those three phrases, the first phrase, honor, do all that you have in mind honor. Do all that you have in mind. How is your honor for your leaders? When your leaders say, I feel like we're going this direction, is there a straightaway an honoring of what God has given them? Or is there perhaps a, um, hang on, I don't have, I don't have a sword or a shield or anything, Jonathan, just hold on a second here. Or we don't have the finances to do that. Or perhaps we don't have enough people or the building's not going to manage that or the resources aren't there. I don't know what it is, but where's the 
honour. This is so important in the church because when God downloads something, particularly to your senior leaders, then God has put something in their heart. What Jonathan, what God put in Jonathan's heart was nuts. Let's just be honest. And it was so nuts that it's like, oh, if they say come up here, we'll go up and God will give them into their hands. I mean, it sounds like he's pulled it out of the clouds. Let's be honest, doesn't it? And sometimes we don't always understand what God downloads to our leaders. And that's where the honor comes in, the trust. The next phrase is protection. Go ahead, I am with you. Sorry, go ahead, I have your back, basically. You go ahead, I'm going to protect your back. I am right behind you. doesn't matter if I don't look like I have the right tools. I have got your back. And loyalty. I am with you, heart and soul. Armour bearers don't initiate the battle, and I'm talking particularly from the senior leader position here, but they are ready to back up the leader, particularly whenever war breaks out. They don't initiate the vision, but they will support the vision in whatever way they can. Being an armour bearer is not about hierarchy, it's about relationship. Armour bearers are not concerned about recognition or validation. They are simply simply focused on support, integrity and loyalty. Amen. Don't we need more of this in the church? Armour bearers who are so ready with that heart of loyalty, protection, ready to gather around if something happens and just so ready to step into the fray, not to battle people, but to battle spiritual forces. Number two. See, we already got through one. An armor bearer is not identified by position, location, role, or age, but by their kingdom mindset and their loyalty. Armor bearers can be sons and daughters in the faith. They can be mothers and fathers in the faith. They can be natural family. They can be spiritual family. They can be any age. It doesn't matter. If you look in the in the scriptures, you see number of armor bearer examples. Timothy was an armor bearer to Paul as a son in the faith. Ruth was an armor bearer to Naomi as a daughter in the faith. Jonathan had an armor bearer, but he was also an armor bearer to David as a brother in the faith. Mordecai was an armor bearer to Esther as a father in the faith. And so this whole premise of being an armor bearer is not age or role or even location because a true armor bearer will be a loyal friend for life even when location changes and moves. Steve and I have armor bearers in our life, which we've changed churches, moved position, and they are still an armor bearer. It stays the same because it's a heart thing. It's not a positional thing. It's actually a heart covenant that God says, I've created you to have relationship. Because that whole thing of image bearing, as we are created to bear his image, he created us also for image Uh, for relationship with each other. And so this is about, it's about, I suppose, a stepping up of relationship. It's about a strengthening of relationship. This is about, who who needs some encouragement sometimes? Let's just be honest. Does anyone need some encouragement? Steve's, (laughs) that's very clever. Steve's got two hands and two feet up in the air. He was sitting down at the same time though. Otherwise that would have been really impressive. Walking on water, levitating, What's next? (laughs) We all need encouragement, right? This whole premise of an armor bearer, the call to be an armor bearer, is the readiness of spirit to place courage in 
to whichever of our leader needs it at any time. This is, this is about all of you. This is about who's sitting to the left of you, who's sitting to the right of you, who's behind you, who's in front. It's not positional of where you're sitting. It's for everyone. It's saying, I recognize that my leader buddy over here right now needs some encouragement. They need someone to stand side by side with them. I've got your flank. I've got your back. I've got whatever you need. I might not even feel like I've got the tools in my hands that I need right now, but I'm here. I am with you heart and soul. When you go through stuff in your family, I am with you heart and soul. I'm not judging. I'm going, I am standing right here with you. I'm not moving. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, I just want to share a brief story about this because, um, yeah, I do. (laughs) Because I've got the microphone and I can. (laughs) This is what you get from us. What you see is what you get with the McGregans. My grandfather, he's passed away now, but he was a pioneer in the faith. And he actually had a vision to plant a church, man, full of the Holy Spirit, Um, to plant a church. And once he'd planted that church, he had a vision to buy a plot of land, which was nine acres. At the time, their church was 150 people. Buy buy a plot of land for nine acres and build a church, the first stage of which was going to be 800 people. My dad was, and so my grandfather is on my mum's side. So my dad was his son-in-law. Now, my dad was a builder. And my dad, without obviously knowing this message, had that loyalty and honor in his heart but he's actually told me the story of this so my dad actually felt from God that he was going to build the church um, and because because of uh, legality and contracts he had to charge them something so he charged them one dollar so my dad built the whole first stage of the church managed and oversaw the whole thing basically for for no cost But my point in saying this is the other side of the story, which many people would not know, is when my grandfather said, this is the vision I have for the church, I want to see 800 people just for the first stage and then it grow. I want to see the power of the Spirit and the Word fill this place in Melbourne. My dad couldn't actually see the vision that my grandfather had because he hadn't received the vision. He, he could hear it, but he hadn't understood it fully. He hadn't received the revelation of the vision that would received. But my dad had an understanding of what it means to be an armor bearer. And so he stepped into the position that said, whatever is on your heart to do, I will do that. And this is not about you must build the church or do so. The, the principle is that he didn't actually receive the revelation of the full vision. He couldn't see how that would happen, but he was so willing and had that mentality of whatever is in your heart to do, you do it and I will be here for you. That's an armor bearer. And I just think that's so beautiful. And that's what Father, I believe, wants to see in his church, that whatever God is placing on our leaders to do, that we have the heart to go, yes, I may not even see it all, I may not even understand, but whatever is in your heart to do, I'm on board. I'm on board. Amen. Number three, you can identify an armor bearer by the language of the heart. Ruth chapter one, verse 16 and 17 says this. This is Ruth talking to Naomi. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where I just love this. Where you go, I will go. 
and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me ever so severely, even if death separates you and me. Wow. That is the language of an armor bearer. The language of an armor bearer. See, we can identify an armor bearer by the language of the heart. It's an overflow of the heart. I've got a drink because I'm getting thirsty. This is thirsty work. Amen. Is this speaking to you? An armor bearer will lay down their life for you. They will walk through fire. David's mighty men crawled through the enemy lines just to get him a cup of water from a particular well. That's incredible. I mean, this is pretty challenging. I'm, I'm not preaching just to you. I'm preaching to the choir here. What, what does our mentality look like as far as firstly towards God? Are we truly hungering for his presence? But then are we going, I am willing to lay my life down for his cause, whatever that looks like. You know, we see a lot of stories about battle and armies, particularly in the Old Testament, but we're talking from a spiritual perspective. What are we willing to come up against? What are we willing to take a stand against? Verbally, like Steve was saying. What are we willing to say, I'm going to go there, not out of, I'm going to cause a problem. Let's not hear what I'm not saying. But I'm actually willing to take a stand where it needs to be taken a stand. It's gone very quiet. Woo! It's gone very, that's good. Yeah, laugh. Help me, Matt, laugh. Yes. All right. Number four, an armor bearer recognizes the difference between a spiritual battle and everyday people problems. Armor bearers do not pull out the sword to fight against people. Armor bearers pull out the sword to fight in the spiritual realms. And here's also what an armor bearer does. An armor bearer goes to their knees, not to other people, when their church or a leader is under duress. An armor bearer is a man or a woman of prayer who is strong in the word and the spirit. They will squish quickly, but with grace, any attacks from people and not inflame the situation. They will pour water on difficult people things and situations, but bring out the sword for the spiritual battle. Here's what I really felt God wanted me to lean into this. Armor bearers do not create unnecessary offense or difficulty by telling other leaders everything that they might have had to pour water on. Love covers a multitude of sins. Don't put something in another leader's mind that doesn't need to be there. Protect them and allow them to focus on what God is doing on, in the kingdom, not on petty people stuff. Let's take our burdens to God first. This is not saying that we don't sometimes need a safe place to process things, but this is where wisdom is required. Here's what the Lord said to me. Don't create an offense when the other person is unaware of a problem. We hear this all the time in churches. People come and, come and apologize to pastors or leaders or other leaders come up and tell people things and they're like, oh, I had no idea that was even a problem. They've actually put an issue in their mind 
which causes them to have to step out beyond that, okay? So we can create unnecessary things. As an armor bearer, we must protect. We must protect. That doesn't mean there's not a time to say that this is where we need wisdom. Is it a time to speak? Is it a time to stay silent? The Lord reminded me of the scripture in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. And it says there, and this is the part of um, the Sermon on the Mount. And just before this, he's talking about hating your brother or having anger in your heart towards your brother. You know, because it says, what you've said, do not murder, but Jesus steps it up higher. And then he says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. I want to pull something out here that I think is super important in church and kingdom culture. It says, if you there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, you've got to see the imagery here. This is not, I have a problem with Davo. I hope there's no Davo here. That wasn't prophetic, was it? Good. Good. Praise the Lord for that. Say you have a problem with Davo. If Davo doesn't know about it, it is not kingdom culture to go and tell your problem to Davo. Kingdom culture is to go to your prayer closet, fix your heart, repent, and then be completely normal with Davo. Because it says here... If you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, we're talking about when there is actually tension and offense and you know it between someone and they're aware of it, then it's a responsibility to fix it. A lot of times in kingdom culture, we do the opposite. We go to people and we're like, pastor, you've offended me. I don't like what you said at church the other day. Um, I don't like the way you worship led. I don't like the way you led that group. We create offense. It is not kingdom culture. Kingdom culture is deal with it. There was a nervous laugh. But looking at that scripture, we must take it in context. I think we've misplaced kingdom culture to go, oh, if there's anything in my heart, I must go to the other person and tell them. That actually creates a lot of offense in the church. It creates unnecessary offense. If the other person is not aware of it, and this goes for protection in the group too, sometimes we are creating things for other leaders to have to jump over a hurdle. And depending on our personalities, it can create quite a big hurdle for some people. And so this is where we need to protect each other's sides and backs and flanks and say, does that person actually need to know about that? Does that person need to know that, look, that person was a bit narky with me the other day and said this and that and the other? Do, do they? Do you really need that or do you just need to take it to God? Enough said. Amen. Sorry. Someone called me a smiling assassin. (laughs) I'm really sweet and nice, but I'm passionate. I'm passionate about God and I'm passionate about us working together in such a way that we are so strengthened and encouraged and empowered together, togetherness. The great, one of the greatest things the enemy wants to bring in, yes, he wants to shut down our voice, but he wants to bring division in the church. So how do we combat that? We come together and we have that mindset of we are all armor bearers for each other. And then the devil goes, darn it, I can't get in there anymore. I can't get in there. And then it overflows to the church. People go, what's different about you guys? And they're like, this is, this is where we sit. This is, this is what it looks like in the kingdom. Number five, 
An armor bearer also protects children and spiritual children. As leaders in the church, it is vital to protect those in the flock, our literal children and our spiritual children from things that they do not need to carry. Watch out. Other people, including little ears, and I can attest to this, will pick up a surprising amount of what we say, but also what we feel and display towards others. As armor bearers, our responsibility is to protect protect. Um, I'm going to share a very brief story. When Steve was a teenager, his parents were pastoring a church in New Zealand and his parents went through an extremely difficult betrayal and church split and like a whole lot of mess. I could go into the details, but I don't have time. Now, Steve knew obviously about the dynamics in terms of, you know, church split and changing things like that but he knew nothing of the depth of betrayal and hurt until many years later as an adult Steve attended a leaders of destiny course that his dad David McCracken was ministering at was running and David shared the full story and Steve literally sat there with his mouth open and went I had no idea because David and Margaret protected their natural children, but also others in the church from the depth of the hurt and betrayal that occurred to them because it wasn't other people's to carry. And so Steve never had to carry something that he didn't have the maturity or wisdom to carry and would have potentially planted a root of bitterness in his heart. And so my encouragement here, and please please hear the spirit of the Lord. You know, sometimes when, when we bring a word like this, it's like, oh, are we doing the wrong thing in this area? No, it's not that at all. It's actually that, it's actually that God wants to create such a culture of protection because the enemy is ramping up his attack. And the more together we are in a heart covenant as church leaders, I tell you what, the devil trembles and then when stuff happens even in the church, we have, that, we have that higher spiritual authority that we're looking at things from. So please take this as an encouragement. Are you encouraged? Oh, good, good. Number six, we are nearly done. This is a real key one. I want you to lean in. An armor bearer understands the greater spiritual reality which is required in the moment. I'm going to say this one again because this is super important. An armor bearer understands the greater spiritual reality which is required in the moment. In Exodus chapter 17, you probably know the story. Um, the Israelites were fighting against the Amalekites and Moses was holding up his hands. And as long as he held his hands up, the Israelites were winning. But if he lowered his hands, they started losing. And so Aaron and Hur held his hands up. They took a stone, put it under Moses so he could sit down. And as long as they held his hands up, one on either side, his hands remained steady and the Israelites overcame the army. So here's my point here. The greater spiritual reality in this case was not for Aaron and her to jump into the battle. The greatest spiritual reality in the moment was not for them to go to the fray because they're thinking, we are losing, we've got to add more people over here. The greatest spiritual reality was actually literally, and this is very symbolic of prayer and the spiritual realities that occur when God says, this is what we need to do. 
And so as armor bearers, our call is to understand the greater spiritual reality in the moment. This is not about not that we just ignore a task or a role or whatever we are doing in the moment, but it's actually looking to see what is happening spiritually in this moment. When we took time to worship together, it's actually taking time to see what is the greater spiritual reality right now. God was doing things in your lives. I could see God moving. I could see God touching you. Some of you needed a moment of refreshing and you were receiving that. Some of you, God was speaking to you and showing you stuff. I could see that. I could see that from up there. And that's what we're talking about when we say the greatest spiritual reality in the moment. The the practical of what was happening was we were worshipping, but that wasn't the greatest spiritual reality. And it wasn't the greatest spiritual reality corporately or individually. And so as armour bearers, our call is to actually see what's going on in the spirit realm. Not just the task, not just the role, but the spirit realm. Armour bearers who can see both the spiritual realities and the practical necessities are a rare and valuable breed and they are worth more than gold. And number seven, finally, armour bearers understand that in addition to being part of the family of God, we are all a part of the army of God. Armour bearers get that one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight. Steve and I travel and minister together, and I tell you what, the devil comes against us. I could tell you some stories that would curl your hair. Don't ever think travel is glamorous, let me just tell you that. But here's the point. The devil actually knows that one can put a 1,000 to flight and two can put 10,000. And so when we're together in spirit, praying together, seeking his face, going, God, what do you want in the moment? It even comes down to what you've seen here. It's like, okay, what's God doing? Where do I hand to Steve? What, what is God doing right now? It's not whether I have the microphone or Steve has the microphone or Pastor Matt has the microphone or Pastor Sharon. That's not the point. The point is what is God doing right now? And am I attuned to his spiritual realities? One can put a 1,000 to flight. Two can put 10,000. Church, we are in a spiritual battle And as a leader, you are on the front line. If you didn't know that, pick up your spiritual armor and get ready. Get ready. We must be a spiritual army that understands the value of being armor bearers for one another. And this is not a hierarchy thing. This is a circle thing. But I will come back to saying that God places people in positions of leadership and the value of honoring, protecting, serving your senior leaders as well as others around you is something that until you step into it, you will never... I can't actually describe the fullness of it. Like I can't describe the joy that happens when Steve and I are in that place of such unity of spirit, such togetherness, such armor bearer for each other and what God does in that moment. You see, what God did in that moment with Jonathan and his armor bearer was because of Jonathan's faith, but also the armor bearer's loyalty. It took the two of them because if Jonathan had have stepped in on his own and the armor bearer wasn't there behind, some, some of the enemy, as Jonathan's fighting them, would have sort of partly fallen to the side and then come in behind his back. And so when God wants to do something in his church, the beauty of this is that he uses us together. Together. 
And so I just pray that you've had some courage placed in your heart to step out and step into a new level of togetherness, of unity, of team as leaders, because there is such a powerful and beautiful thing there. And the Spirit of the Lord, we know this scripture, where there is unity, that's where the Spirit of the Lord comes. And so this is about having a unity of heart and a pressing in to what the Lord wants to do in each and every one of you. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more content, head to our website, davidmccracken.org.